police in the morning. Welcome, B-Movie fans, to this week's episode of Director's Showcase. This week, as we continue Todd Browning Month, we will be reviewing the film London After Midnight from 1927. So, Dave, what did you think of London After Midnight? London After Midnight. Well, um, once again, it's a Todd Browning and Lon Chaney dynamic duo, so it's already great. But... um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, you know, it's, it's the movie doesn't exist. Like we said before, um, I am pretty sure nobody has a copy. Um, but if you do message me here, please. Um, but this recreation that they did with Turner classic movies back in the early two thousands, you know, conjures up a, a really good 43, 45 minute, um, slideshow, if you will, uh, uh, photographs and some just awesome music together. And I had the names written down. The, the guy that, that worked with the um, the photographs' names was um, Rick Schmidlin, and the guy who did the music for it was Robert Israel. And the way that they did this, I mean, you know, I'm just speaking from my point of view, but I feel like they really brought this movie to life with the only chance of hope that it had. And if they hadn't done this, this movie would have probably just been completely forgotten and erased from the history books but um you asked what my opinion is and uh man this this movie it's freaking awesome and i love the story you know now that you mentioned it when i watched this i thought there was something weird with it like with, like with the pictures not really moving but i thought i had really bad internet connection so that explains <laughs> all of that yeah no it's literally the it's just still frame photo shots and you know 45 minutes worth of photos a couple of them are some of the same ones over and over but they managed to really capture enough of what the characters reactions are to give you a genuine sense of what's going on and because of the diversity that Lon Chaney is able to do you really get enough out of it and um for those who don't know, this was Todd Browning's entry into the vampire world. Yeah, this um, this um, came out like what four years before um, Dracula, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, so, everyone knows Dracula as his um, as his vampire movie, but this one is arguably better, at least plot wise. Oh yeah, I'd argue that all day. It's definitely better. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if you know this, Paul. I know a lot of people don't, you know, this movie, it goes forgotten a lot. A lot of people don't know it exists, but maybe they know the other version that exists. Um, this movie was redone by Todd Browning in 1935 as Mark of the Vampire. Ah, so. But instead of Lon Chaney, because the dear man passed away, he used Bella Lugosi. Following in, following in Lon Chaney's footsteps yet again. Hey, he learned from the best. Can't argue that. Lon so he had like two different roles in this, didn't he? He was the um, he was the t- inspector um, Edward Edward Burke, and he was also the man in the beaver hat, wasn't he? The really creepy looking guy. Yeah, and uh, man, what a look! You know, something I love about this movie too, and and you, and you can see this in all the photos is it's got spooky backgrounds. I mean, the place looks freaking awesome. It's a, it's a London mansion covered in vines and fog. I mean, it's, it's perfect. And Lon Chaney, the, 
the way he's always over the top doing his characters and i mean just the fang teeth that he has and i'm not talking two fangs if anybody's seen a picture they know what it is but um a, a side note is this character inspired the babadook yeah i was gonna say they look exactly alike yeah so i know if i if somebody brought home a babadook book and i'm like oh it's lon Chaney. awesome yeah, and the beaver hat <laughs> that's right but oh man it's uh you know so the movie you know starts out where they're all in this room and um the the main character so to speak who the story is based about is is already dead and they're trying to investigate how he died and long story short there's a suicide note that suggests it's a gunshot wound you know um then you have the best friend who's there you have his daughter who's there and the inspector and you know you have the maids and butlers and everything but it's not sitting together like his friends like i you know he he wouldn't do this. I, I know him. He wouldn't just kill himself. He had too much to live for. And so Inspector Burke, played by Lon Chaney, is interviewing people the whole time and really trying to investigate and figure out what's going on. And uh, a little twist on it is he's actually a hypnotist, which is really cool. And um, this was actually this, – this movie was based on a story Todd Browning wrote called The Hypnotist. So, yeah, wonder how he came up with that. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. But go ahead. I gotta say, like just the um, the mask and like this the, the mannerisms, like you can kind of get a get a feel for it with the um, pictures. But the other character that Lon Chaney played was man, that was just genuinely terrifying. Like I really wish it, wish they at some version or at least a scene with him um, existed somewhere because I can just based off like. Phantom of the Opera and um, The Unknown and other films that Lon Chaney's been in. What a great performance that must have been. You know, I actually um, I look at that picture every day of him you know, with the, the hat on and the creepy eyes and teeth and everything like that um, because it's actually tattooed right here on my chest. <laughs> so Every day I get to see the, uh, the man in the mask but... Um, Spend some extra time in the bathroom getting ready. It's like, <laughs> easy now <laughs> it gets the wrong idea but um i i think the movie is, is very well done i could tell that people were very devoted in their acting the people who you're afraid of are terrifying the people you hate are douche rags right <laughs> and they just do a really good job of storytelling with this and i believe if you go into this movie thinking this is dumb some, you know, I'm not going to watch a movie with just photographs. There's no way it could be good. You will be knocked on your ass because they do do it. All of the the realism stands out in the movie. And the best part is, is if you don't know the end, you'll be surprised. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, what? No spoiler here. Spoiler here. But yeah, spoilers. Why not? Uh, if you didn't see the surviving print <laughs> but um the deal breaker of the film is that it's all fake so lon chaney who's the inspector um 
Paul mentioned plays a dual role and yeah, in the movie he plays two characters, but in the movie he knows he's two characters. So he's basically he's playing this this vampire creature basically as being in disguise and he creeps around and the maid and everybody's dressed up also like a vampress and they kind of walk around in the fog but they're keeping an eye on the place and they're you know in between everybody's conversations and whatnot and really just causing fear and panic throughout everybody basically until um he's able to do a, a hypnosis on one of the characters and one of the characters basically relives the scene of shooting him and uh i thought that was really clever yeah, that was a cool way to um, kind of get the guy to confess, like actually hypnotizing him, and it was just—it was cool, like seeing them reenact the uh, murder as a way of solving it. I thought that was really neat. Yeah, and you know, it's tough to say whether this movie holds up today or not, but I think in 1927, that story rocked people, man. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I will say, like with the um, in the manner that we're we're only able to watch it. It's a little hard to follow at times. It's like um, kind of hard to put pieces together. Like it was, it was kind of hard to tell if like Lon Chaney was supposed to be the same character, just like slightly, uh, just in a different uh, costume at times. But I think that um, I think if if the original version had been had been available, it all those problems would have gone away. Like I I have, I have some faith in that. Like yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where I mean we're blessed to have what we have with it you know somebody out there as big as fan as we are took the time and really brought the story to like now how they knew you know what the story was i don't know but you know maybe they're basing off the book and, and you know they just dig into the archives but um i'm I, i'm surprised i really am like it's really well done to the best of its abilities but i too just had that sense of doubt like oh man like it sucks we can't really watch this but you know for for a second there just even just a slight fraction of a second i mean you're kind of engulfed you feel like you know okay that was a good movie and you're like wait that was a slideshow yeah. you know you, you do get enough out of it to be able to appreciate it not to mention i mean hey if you're limited on time it's 45 minutes oh yeah but if you find a version of it on youtube just make sure um Make sure to find one with decent music and not just like people like sounds it's people uh, screaming that sounds like someone's dying in the background because that that'll ruin the the mood a little bit. I was gonna say so. I have this because I have the uh, Lon Chaney box set, and it comes in the box set, and it's the actual version uh, with the photographs and the rest restored music and everything. But in preparation for this. You know, I went ahead and watched it on a smart device, and I went on YouTube. I'm like, oh, it's right there, cool. And I'm like, it sounds like Nine Inch Nails in the background or something. This ain't right. Yeah. So I ended up just muting it, which it's a silent film, so that's okay sometimes. Um, and I watched it anyway. But I remember, I'm glad you brought that up too, because if you go for YouTube on this thing, you're probably not going to get the way that. Um, they spent time restoring it in the early 2000s so if you have a chance to actually find it they still run it sometimes on turner classic movies or it's on the box set it's definitely worth it especially if you like you know like the unknown and just the the partnership that they do you won't be disappointed for any fans of todd browning and Lon cheney it's like a must watch yeah dude i mean this could have been fucking illustrated i would have still watched it oh man they should do a cartoon (laughs) yes 
or a comic book in London after we're gonna have to see if they do that. Somebody out there may already do that. That would be amazing. Yeah. So I'm gonna get the only thing like that I thought was I couldn't quite figure out was since this whole thing turned out to be an actual murder, were their neighbors actually vampires in the first place, or was that just kind of a hoax? Oh, I think it was all hoax because like the nanny was in on it and she was dressing up like a ghoul yeah. and everything. So that's what I thought was going on. It was like since we're not seeing the actual version of it, it's really some things are kind of hard to figure out. But I thought it was. I yeah, it was you might. Fun. It might do justice to, and depending on how you feel, you could do either order. But if you watch this first, go ahead and follow it up with like Mark of the Vampire. Or if you watch, I I, th- I would recommend probably watching Mark of the Vampire first. That way you get the full story, and then watch London After Midnight and get the Cheney version of it. I think that a little more will go with it there. But don't get me wrong, the, the Mark of a Vampire is still a cool version because it's got Lionel uh, Barrymore in it as well. And we love him from Devil Doll. Oh yeah. And then, uh, of course, Bella Lugosi and, and everything like that. And I teased around with the idea of us reviewing um, Mark and the Vampire. But when you were talking about we should do London after midnight, I just shut up. I was like, yes, we should. <laughs> Done. So since you've seen both um, Mark and the Vampire and um, and London after midnight, this might be kind of a weird question. But um, which would you say you like better? Or um, do they both kind of um, have their own like um, good qualities? Yeah, there, there's definitely something about each one, um, but you know that's like saying, "Hey, Dave, did you know that uh, Lon Chaney was going to be Willy Wonka?" I'm like that'd have been the best chocolate Charlie factory ever. So anything Lon Chaney's in, it's better than if something he's not in. But I will say that um, it's two different feelings, really. You know, because they change all the names, they change some of the reactions, and put it in the movie. But um, they're both definitely good. Now I'm just thinking of um, Lon Chaney dressed as Willy Wonka instead of um, Gene Wilder. That like it's scary as hell. His face, like just get in the factory. Hey, yeah, just get in the factory. That's right. That's the chocolate covered cherry. Don't worry about it. It looks like blood. I said, don't worry about it. Of course, it'd be silent. Title card. <laughs> I said, don't eat any of the candy. You know, um, the funny thing about we're joking about it, but there was like. I'm thinking in my head, I mean, easily four Lon Chaney movies that have been remade. So we know London After Midnight was Mark of the Vampire. We both know Fan of the Opera was redone. Um, Hunchback of Notre Dame was redone. And then, um, oh, hell, what was the fourth one in my head? We start, I started talking too fast. You know, just come back to me. But basically, you know... So far, nobody has remade a movie with Lon Chaney and been able to surpass it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to beat, like, um, be the original in general, but he's had such a way of, like, play, playing a creepy character that it's really just unmatched. And that's saying a lot considering, like, most of his films are silent films. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, hey, does anybody do that in modern days? I would put him right there and. and Please, people, don't throw stuff at, at your you know, device or your radio. But he's kind of like Johnny Depp. He's a much better actor than Johnny Depp. But you think about what Johnny Depp sits through to become Jack Sparrow or you know Willy Wonka or whatever. Like He's a character actor. You know He was in The Mad Hatter and everything. It's kind of like Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney became characters, um, but then he could carry it to a whole other level. So, yeah, we, we don't really have many of those character actors nowadays, but I, I guess Johnny Depp would be kind of close, right? 
Yeah, definitely. They both put like they both put their all into each um, character that they do and each role that they play. Yeah, there's a reason why movies like Rum Diaries don't do as good as like Alice in Wonderland. Now, that's not a knock saying one's better than the other, but uh, if you look at box office, anytime he engulfs himself, even that musical where he's the werewolf, you know, the deep in the woods or whatever it is, or into the woods, I think. Um, it's nice to see some people still, you know, it's kind of like with uh, Bella Lugosi. He was offered the chance to play Frankenstein. He's like, but he doesn't talk. Screw that. I don't want to do it. And then what happened? Boris Gorloff, <laughs> Boris Karloff nails it, you know. And so you have some people out there who, who see the value in the film. And regardless of, of what it takes or how many hours of makeup they have to sit through, they, they become these characters. And they just, man, they, they really create an experience for all of us movie lovers. Definitely. So if you had to rank this movie from a one to ten, what would you probably what would you give it? I think I'm gonna go eight. Yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight. It, this one's really hard to judge just because we are watching it as basically a series of uh, still uh, still pictures. So I man, I wish that this was around as an actual film, but I'd say like just because it was a bit confusing. Uh, certain parts because of that and I can't honestly judge it would have been better or worse if it had actually been a moving film so I, I'm going to go with an 8 to be honest yeah and, and I'm right there with you I gave it an 8 because it, it has everything it has all the qualities of a great movie and it's got Todd Browning written all over it and, it, and it's a shame that you know you can't just go watch this anytime you want but you know you watch the, the this version they've created there and it's it's easily an eight for me because you just get the feeling you're like man I know at a time this movie was badass oh, yeah. <laughs> so and who's to say man if you get a chance to see it it might have been a nine it's true. Unfortunately, we may never know, but who knows? Maybe there's a version of it somewhere out there. If somebody out there has a time machine, I'm not going to tell you what to do with it, but if you wouldn't mind just grabbing that print before 1967 when it burned down in studio number seven, could you just bring it? I mean, you don't have to give it to me. Just put it in some public domain somewhere so we could watch it, please. Just load it to the Netflix server. That'd be cool. Really appreciate it. You'd be doing the world a big favor. Yeah, if you we'll get you on the show if you actually can prove you have that. <laughs> and I figured it out too. If if you have this movie, I will pay you twelve thousand three hundred and sixty dollars for it. Because I figure if I live to be about sixty five and I give you a dollar a day, I can save up. You know, I did the math over twelve thousand dollars, and it's yours if you can give me the um, the actual print. That'd be cool. It's like, I know you mentioned a time machine and all that, but all we really care is, like, do, can you get us a copy of London After Midnight? Yeah, you can You can fight whatever fight you want to and save whatever you want, but just we're just saying, like, while you're doing all those really great things, the other great thing you can do is just snag that film uh, out of the MGM Studio Vault. Pretty, pretty, please. I feel like that's not too big of a, um, of a I mean, favor to ask for. Paul, how much... How much can, how much time can we really alter if we just bring a movie back? Right, we're not causing too much trouble. I don't. I, I can't see it like tearing tearing uh, holes in the space time continuum or anything. Yeah. Ah, and I thought of the fourth film, The Unholy Three. So, Todd Browning, Lon Chaney filmed The Unholy Three, and then less than five years later, made a remake, 
still with Todd Browning, and it, it's Lon Chaney's only talkie film. So if you, this is gonna, it's gonna destroy you, bro. If you get a chance to watch it, watch it. But hearing Lon Chaney talk is freaking weird. Yeah, I was gonna say I was trying to figure out if he had been in any like actual talk. Just one. Wow, definitely gonna have to yep. check that out. Yeah, and he plays an old lady, so good luck. <laughs> that, that sounds like quite an experience. All right, so, so next week is we'll be ending Todd Browning month. We will be reviewing his film Freaks, which, unlike Dracula, which he's most known for this for making his career. This one, unfortunately, um, kind of ended his career very prematurely. And it's not because it's a bad film. It's because, well, the world literally wasn't ready for, for the movie Freaks. But we'll get more into that next week. I'm very much looking forward to uh, watching it again and uh, being able to review it and see if it is still your favorite Todd Browning film now that you've seen these other ones. Oh, yeah. So, and next week we'll, of course, be ranking our top five Todd Browning, a child Browning films. So, we'll have to see, um, tune in next week to find out which ones we think are these best. So, till next time, be movie fans, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. Get on the next one. I've seen the